In today's episode of Two-Eyed Seeing, we are going to be talking about all things to do with the immune system and supporting the immune system, so be sure to stay with us. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker, of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. As I mentioned in the intro, what we're going to be talking about today is to do with the immune system. At the time of recording this, it is about mid, almost sadly, end of August. And this is one of the times of year that I will typically talk to my patients, especially those with families and with young children, about how we can best support their immune system. And I don't think I need to tell anyone who's listening to this podcast what kind of year and a half we've had and at the time of recording this podcast it is over halfway through 2021 so that's dealing with our current uh, climate of the pandemic and it's not that immune system is never important I would argue that it's always important but especially in light of our current climate I would argue it's potentially even more important in the sense that everyone is talking about it and how we can best support our immune system. And there's plenty of things that we can do from our natural perspective that assists our immune system to be as optimal and as functional as possible. And it doesn't mean that it's the only thing we can do, but something that I've noticed both in the news and in various um, you know, social media platforms, everything like that, we don't always have the conversations about the things we can do that are easy to do on a day-to-day basis in our homes, using the things even just in our cupboard and our fridge that are going to help to support our immune system. So what I wanted to do in this episode is just talk about some of those really basic things that either sometimes get overlooked or forgotten when it comes to supporting the immune system. And as I said, this is something that I speak about a lot when I do uh, seminars, webinars, those kinds of things, and then also in talking to my patients in practice when I'm working with them one-on-one as well. And so, This is a really, really, really important, important topic any time of the year, but I find that this is a really good, easy time to talk about that because we can start to re-implement or start to implement these things before kids go back to school. Because as I mentioned, I do see quite a lot of families in my practice. So lots of kids, um, also teachers, those who work um, in the education system, work with kids. There's lots of different implications for this. And it's still applicable even if you do or do not have kids slash are around kids. So uh, one of the things I like to start with is um, really, really basic, but we tend to forget about it is um, even the impact of washing our hands on a regular basis. So when we actually wash our hands regularly, especially with 
water and soap in particular, then we're actually helping to disrupt the bacteria and germs that are on the surface of our skin, and we're actually washing them away. So it's even more effective than other forms like using hand sanitizer. It's not to say that hand sanitizer can't be used as a um, adjunct to hand washing on occasion, but what's really good to do as much as we possibly can do that is to actually wash our hands. And um, so that's a really, really, really important one. Another one I tend to talk about is even just taking a look at how we're eating from day to day. So our nutrition um, on a regular basis. And it's not that we're trying for perfection. I always talk about this with people that it's more, and what I tend to do and what I tend to talk about with my patients is looking at how we eat more from an 80-20 perspective. And this has been mentioned by many people. I'm not the only one who says this, but it's just a little bit easier to wrap our head around than eat healthy. Eat healthy is a little bit nebulous. Whereas thinking of it from most of the time we eat healthy, that's a little bit more helpful. So what I mean by 80-20 is that 80% or so of the time we're eating healthy, nutritious food. And 20% of the time is where we get to have a little bit of fun. We get to enjoy life. So having the ice cream, having the cake, having the cookies, <laughs> all the treats that don't technically constitute um, nutrition and feeding our body, those are the things that we want to keep kind of on that lower end and enjoying as a treat, as an occasional thing, and really focus on the majority of our diet, the majority of our nutrition being more of that healthy whole foods based. So we're talking about eating fruits and vegetables, we're talking about getting enough protein, getting enough healthy fat, and trying to get a good blend of those things. And one of the other things I like to often mention it when we're looking at fruits and vegetables is consuming the colors of the rainbow. So trying to get a little bit of all the different colors mixed in as much as we can because each fruit and vegetable has a different concentration of all the nutrients and vitamins and minerals. So when we try to get a good blend in there, then we're more likely to get the majority of those vitamins and nutrients that our body needs in order to heal, repair, grow, all of these things in terms of supporting overall health. And the other thing too that I often talk about with my patients and those who participate in my weight program, Saratoga Weight Solution, is we really focus on how can we better balance our blood sugar levels. Any of you who have listened to the podcast for a little while, you would know that I've talked about balancing blood sugar and how important that is, and in relation to weight in particular. But overall health, that's also really, really, really important and helpful. And so when we eat predominantly fiber, healthy fat, and protein in a good balance, and that's how we focus on building our meals first, then typically the outcome that we have is more of a balanced blood sugar level. It's not to say that we don't consume carbohydrates, because sometimes people misinterpret that, that I'm saying never eat carbs. 
not what I'm saying at all. It's just for most of us, especially if blood sugar is part of the issue, then what we definitely want to do is be mindful of the types of carbohydrates that we're having and the quantity of carbohydrates that we're having because of the impact that carbohydrates and sugar, straight up sugar, because remember carbohydrates will break down into sugar um, very, very, depending on the type, very quickly. And so the more complex the carbohydrate, the longer it takes for the body to break it down and break it into its component pieces. So when we eat this way, then our blood sugar levels are more balanced, which then also means that our immune system functions better because it has all the different building blocks that it needs. So we often hear vitamin C, for example, is uh, talked about a lot this time of year, or um, onions and garlic is talked about a lot in terms of foods and sources of foods that we can really try to get more of in our diet because again, what it's doing is helping to support the optimal function of the immune system. And the other thing too, in terms of just touching on that sugar piece is when we are consuming things that are either straight sugar or turn into sugar very quickly in higher amounts, that actually does work against the immune system. So it actually suppresses the function of the immune system when we have too much of it. And so this is another thing that can create a, an environment that's more hospitable to various uh, bacteria and germs having the opportunity to create an illness, to create a cold or a flu or something like that. And so the more we can do to really help to support that, then that's really helpful. And these are things that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis that don't necessarily require us to go and buy something. It's not that we can't supplement with things because that's what supplements are. But sometimes I find people think, well, what's the one thing or the, you know, top three, top five, fill in the blank, top whatever, things that I can take. And it's not to say that things like vitamin C, zinc, technically, if you want to get into it at the end of the day, vitamins A to zinc have some type of impact on the function of the immune system. Certain vitamins more so than others that we really hyper focus on. But what we tend to forget when talking about supplements is it's meant to supplement the diet. So the diet or how we eat is still the foundation. We still want to make sure that that is as healthy as we can make it. And then that way, any supplements that we add on top, typically we can use less supplements and we can be more targeted and efficient with using supplements. So one of the examples I like to use a lot with um, when I'm teaching is the example of someone who has uh, celiac disease or a digestive issue. They have issues absorbing most of their nutrients and vitamins because their digestive processes are compromised. So there's issues that are inherently there that are complicating the body's capacity for absorption. And of course, we can always get into 
things like, you know, our food sources aren't as rich in vitamins and nutrients as they used to be. We have to eat more food to get the same level of vitamins and nutrients that our grandparents used to get because of the changes in farming practices. There's, that's a whole nother rabbit hole that we could potentially go down. But it doesn't take away from the fact that eating a healthy diet doesn't start as the foundation piece and then the supplementing is just that. It's adding in, adding on top of, supplementing in for things that are either lacking or it's more challenging for the body to absorb and use it on its own without a little bit of help. So they're meant to be a helping tool, not to replace eating well. You, as they say, you can't outrun a bad diet. You also can't out supplement a bad diet. So eating poorly and thinking that supplements can come in and save the day is really not gonna be your best strategy in terms of overall health and well-being. And so that's another part that's really important to consider, right? So it's not to say that we don't, because I definitely use supplements, I use all kinds of things, and we'll get into that in a minute, um, but I just wanna make sure that that's understood because that's something I see time and time again where people have this misconception that that can just fix everything. <laughs> or you can, you know, essentially what I, I just mentioned, you can essentially have not so great of a diet, eat not so well, and still, cover everything with your supplements. So as I said, with the supplementing, literally we could potentially make an argument for pretty much every vitamin and mineral and nutrient to support the immune system. But some of the big ones that we tend to talk about in addition to vitamin C um, and, uh, and other ones is zinc and vitamin D. And I've done entire presentations <laughs> on vitamin D on its own, so I'm not gonna be able to cover everything here. But knowing what your vitamin D status is, especially living in North America, because so many of us are either significantly or somewhat deficient in vitamin D. Part of the problem is where we live. Um, we only have about three slash four months of the year where we have a good amount of sunlight to be able to produce our own vitamin D. And then on top of that, you need to be outside in the optimal times of the day. So generally speaking, between approximately 10 a.m. and then up to around 3 and 4 p.m. where most people are not always outside during those time frames. So there's lots of other things to know about vitamin D, but at the very least, it's something that I talk about with people is either starting to supplement and then getting your levels tested and seeing if your levels are high enough, or if you're able to talk to your doctor, talk to your naturopath, talk to whoever your healthcare provider is, and see if you can potentially get your vitamin D levels tested because it is such an important one. As I said, there's not gonna be absolutely everything that we're gonna be able to cover in just our time together in terms of the immune system because there's so many other avenues we can go down. But the other one I like to talk about because I do love herbs so much and I find that they're so effective and they're one of the things that really drew me into naturopathic medicine and my interest in naturopathic medicine was herbs and some easy ones that are really nice to have 
in your cupboard or to know where you can get easily are echinacea. Uh, then there's also other, it's one of the big ones that almost all of us um, can use. It's easy to find. The nice thing about echinacea is that you can use that with kids. You can use it with, it's one of the few herbs that actually you can use in pregnancy and breastfeeding. And so often I will put together um, a protocol for my patients that I'm working with who are pregnant. So if they do happen to get a cold during pregnancy, they know that echinacea is something that they can use um, to help to reduce the length and severity of that cold. And it's absolutely safe um, for, for pregnancy and for breastfeeding. So I like to always mention echinacea. Other easy ones to use would be um, ginger, which you can either use as a tea or you can use the whole root in your cooking, in your food. You can make your own tea with ginger root. You don't necessarily have to get a tea from the store. Um, and there's so many benefits to ginger in terms, in addition to um, helping to reduce, um, reduce fever and things like that. It's also really good for your digestion. So it's a really nice dual herb. Um, another one that I will use a lot um, in this time of the year is astragalus, which astragalus you may not be as familiar with. Um, astragalus is really well known in Chinese herbal medicine. And astragalus is one that we know as, um, they, we, we call, we, we use the term a qi modulator or helping to support the chi in the body. So what that means is helping to modulate um, and balance out what's going on in terms of the immune system. So it's helping to support the immune system to function better. It's not typically an herb we would use for fighting an infection. So that's another piece that I will often distinguish between when working with patients and even when I do happen to have an opportunity to speak to groups and individuals is that there's herbs that we classify as infection fighters and there's herbs that we classify as more of um, preventative function. So echinacea is interesting because depending on who you ask, um, there's different schools of thought between herbalists and other um, healthcare providers that use herbs that Echinacea is primarily for fighting infection or it can be used for preventative measures. Myself, I can go between depending on the person that I'm working with, but um, it's it would technically for most people fall in that category of using um, more for fighting an infection. So most people tend to suggest to start using echinacea at the first signs of feeling unwell is typically when most people will say that it's a good idea to utilize um, echinacea. Whereas astragalus would be more of that herb that we would use for prevention and we would actually stop using astragalus if we became unwell and switch over to using say echinacea or other herbs that are more for fighting an infection. And for anyone that knows even a little bit about herbs, there's a million different herbs. Again, we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole, <laughs> but this is just to give you some ideas in terms of basics 
like I said before, that are easy to use. Generally speaking, you can um, keep in your house, have in your house, have ready. And then of course, um, you know, especially getting more into the herbals and using supplements more specifically, always talk to your healthcare provider to know that you're using the adequate amount and at the proper time, because there's almost always situations where certain individuals, you wouldn't necessarily want to use that herb because of your health concerns, or you may not use it at the same amount as the average person would because of your health concerns. And this is the really beautiful thing about naturopathic medicine is we do individualized care. So we actually sit down and take the time to understand what your personal health is, your personal health history, your goals, take all those pieces into consideration and then put them together in an individualized treatment plan so that we can actually help you to feel better and to also use the right types of tools such as herbs and supplements at the right time in the right amount. And it's not always going to be exactly the same from one person to the next because we're all a little bit different because of our health history, because of various factors that create us as individuals as who we are. So even though we may know that generally this works for most people, uh, doesn't mean that it's always going to be the exact right fit for you and for your family. So just make sure that you are taking the time to talk to a, um, a naturopath, talk to an herbalist, talk to your healthcare provider if you're unsure about using any of these things. I'm not trying to give you medical advice here, it's just things to think about and ideas to potentially think about how you can start to improve your own overall approach to immune support and immune health and how to be healthier without necessarily um, you know, getting into all the, the, the deep details of an individualized treatment plan. If that's something you want to do or need to do, obviously you're going to hear me <laughs> suggest working with a naturopath, working with someone who can help you with that, right? And I think I will wrap this up with one other big, um, big one that we tend to underestimate again, which is sleep. There, as I said, there's so many other things that we haven't even touched on in this episode that can potentially help with the immune system, but I just wanted to touch on some of the big ones that we tend to kind of overlook or um, not really think about in terms of how we can potentially help our immune system to function better that doesn't require a whole lot of extra on our part. And with sleep, what ends up happening when we lose sleep and we're not sleeping deeply well overall number of hours are insufficient for what our body needs, or if we flat out miss sleep, all of these things actually decrease the ability of the immune system to function optimally. Missing one night of sleep can take anywhere between 48 and 72 hours to actually allow the body to recover fully, assuming that the subsequent night's sleep are good enough to actually be healing for the body. So when you think about that, that's a really easy place to start and look at how is my sleep? 
Am I sleeping enough at night? Am I sleeping in a dark enough room? Am I waking up in the middle of the night? Am I waking up rested? These are all questions that you can start to ask yourself and determine are you actually getting sufficient quality sleep every night? And by extension, that's going to have a really big impact for better or for worse on your immune system's ability to function optimally. Because we see all the time people that are not sleeping well, generally what ends up happening with them is they're more likely to catch a cold. Think of university students when they're studying for exams. When is the time that most of them will get sick? It's right after midterms and final exams because typically, and I can say this from personal experience because I was that university student, is that I would be up all night, get maybe two, three hours of sleep, go in, write my exam, come back, and do it all over again for a week, at least if we're talking about uh, midterms or finals, especially when I was in naturopathic school, it was like a gauntlet every exam period to get through all the material and make sure that you were well prepared for your exams. And so what ended up happening is generally speaking, most of the time when I went home, after I finished my exams is that was when I would catch a cold or I would get sick because my immune system finally said enough is enough and we can't do this anymore. <laughs> so when you think about that, you can see very easily the impact of insufficient quality of sleep and insufficient sleep in total. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, there's so many other directions we can go with this. Um, this is not intended to be uh, a completely cover-all deep dive on how we can support the immune system. There's so many other things that we didn't get a chance to touch on. Um, for example, the impact of exercise, um, meditation, reducing your stress. Um, these are all things that you can also do and look at improving in terms of supporting your immune system. I just wanted to give you some touch points in terms of where you can start because it's always a good idea to support your immune system and make sure that you're as healthy as you possibly can be because then your body is always ready to deal with any kind of germs or anything that are floating around um, in the air so that ideally, hopefully, you either get sick for a very short period of time and it's just a blip in the radar, or you may even be able to beat that infection before you get sick because a healthy immune system actually suppresses, stamps out a lot of infections that could become a full-blown infection without you even knowing it. That's how powerful and amazing your immune system is and how vital it is to your overall health. So I will wrap it up there officially for today. I hope that helps you in terms of thinking of how you can easily change just slightly some of your habits, some of your routines, some of how you do things at home that can end up having a huge impact on your immune system's ability to be healthy and to be well. And I'm not trying to say that there aren't other things and there aren't other ways to look at supporting our immune system, but these are the things that we can be doing 
pretty well every day that makes a really good impact for ourselves. And if we're talking about the children in our family, um, the people, the other people in our lives, when we start to really look at this in terms of how we can incorporate that for everybody in our, in our families, in the people that we know, that can have a really far reaching effect in a good, positive way. So I hope you all stay healthy and well. That is always my hope for you, especially in the difficult times that we're going through at the time of recording this episode. And take care of each other, and we will see you again soon. Bama P. Thank you, Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review at iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.